Welcome to OncoPharm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I am a professor of pharmacy practice here at the supporting sponsor of our little podcast, ETSU's Bill Gatt College of Pharmacy. It's uh, September 15th, 2022. Fall is in the air. And, uh, and ESMO has just wrapped up their, their annual conference. Uh, ESMO, think of it like ASCO, but with better train service. Um, so I'm going to highlight really two main studies from ESMO. There's a ton that you could highlight, but two that I think are, are, are important um, for now uh, and things that, that uh, are going to, uh, I think, be, be practice changing uh, uh, down the road for sure. Uh, and, and the first one I want to talk about, this was the talk of, of ESMO in, at least in my Twitter bubble, or if you search hashtag ESMO2022 on Twitter, and that was the niche 2 trial, or niche 2 trial, however you pronounce it. So this is neoadjuvant immune checkpoint inhibitor, uh, ipilimumab and nivolumab in this case, in locally advanced uh, mismatch repair deficient colon cancer. So these are uh, stage 2 or stage 3 colon cancers. Um, that they don't have the ability to repair these uh, these mismatch mutations, um, and they're somewhat uh, resistant to fluoroprimidine-based therapy. Okay, so this is a smallish study, 107 patients, and they're getting chemo before surgery, and they're getting one dose of ipilimumab, one mg per kg, two doses of nivolumab, three mg per kg, two weeks apart, and then surgery within six weeks of starting neoadjuvant chemo, and uh, standard of care. For these patients would be surgery and then adjuvant fluoroprimidine based treatment. CAPE cytopine 5 FU plus or minus oxyoplatin depending on stage 2, stage 3 for 3 to 6 months, right? That's kind of the general approach. But neoadjuvant treatment is not a thing we typically do in colon cancer. It is a thing, you know, 5 FU or, or CAPE cytopine with radiation, neoadjuvant setting for rectal cancer. That's, that's standard of care. But for colon cancer, it's surgery, then adjuvant chemo like a lot of solid tumors. Now, we have seen some really exciting responses with uh, MSI high and mismatch repair deficient GI cancers beyond colon and rectal cancer. And we're starting to see more of that, right? I talked about this after ASCO that people are saying this is going to be, this is like a matnib with CML. This is going to be a, a non-surgical disease, which would be incredibly exciting for those of us in medical oncology or pharmacists who really want uh, drugs to do great things. Um, so. Um, the primary endpoint, or what they're looking at here, uh, is is responses. You know how much tumor shrank when they went in and did the surgery, and two thirds of folks had a pathologic complete response. So two, so that means like 70 people in this study, when the surgeon went in and took out their colon tumor, that there was the colon tumor was gone. It was gone in in less than two months with three doses of immune checkpoint inhibitors, two doses of ipi, one, do or one dose of ipilimumab, two doses of nivolumab, 95% had a major pathologic response, right? So there was significant shrinking of, of their disease. Of course, that should uh, make the surgery easier, I would think, as a non-surgeon. Uh, perhaps with future verification uh, and replication of, of, of these effects, maybe you can identify folks who do not need surgery or those who maybe after surgery don't need adjuvant treatment, uh, which would decrease certainly things like peripheral neuropathy in our stage three folks. So lots to, to come from this, from niche two. I think there'll be, there'll be a phase three study that looks at uh, no surgery versus uh, standard of care and maybe a third arm that is uh, 
surgery, but no adjuvant treatment. And, and you know, who knows where this will go, but it's really exciting. This is not all people with colon cancer. It's a small subset of uh, a patient with colon cancer, uh, but p perhaps a, a growing number of those in the, in the younger category. Maybe, I don't know, I have to look that up. All right, so niche two, really big thing. You know, the joke on Twitter was the, the waterfall plot. It wasn't a waterfall, it was a lake. It was all, all the numbers, everyone almost went to zero, right? If you have a 67% pathologic complete response rate and 95% major pathologic response, these tumors are, are just melting away with, with immune checkpoint inhibitor therapy. Uh, so, um, you know, from a pharmaceutical perspective, good news for the folks that give chemo financially, bad news for the folks that do the surgery uh, for these MSI high uh, colon cancer patients. All right, the next thing I'll talk about is the code break study. Um, now, this is a study that we first heard about from the, uh, from the drug company with the press release that it met its primary endpoint of progression-free survival. This is, and the, co the drug company probably wants me to say sotorasib because it's the RAS number, but I think sotorasib sounds better. Sotorasib versus docetaxel in previously treated non-small cell lung cancer. So these folks had advanced non-small cell lung cancer. They all had platinum-based therapy and an immune checkpoint inhibitor, right? So this is, that's the standard of care in the first line on these folks. So good, right? So it's the right type of patients and they had that KRAS uh, G12C mutation. Phase three study, 350-ish patients randomized one-to-one -to, -one to either satorosib, 960 milligrams a day, or docetaxel, 75 milligrams per meter squared for three weeks. So standard of care, chemotherapy, docetaxel. You assume anyone who's non-squamous would have gotten platinum with pemetrexid. Um, so, so yeah, so docetaxel, good solid comparison. This is not one of those studies where the control arm is somehow inferior or not effective. Docetaxel is heavy-duty treatment here for these folks. So the primary endpoint was progression-free survival, and, and they do show a statistically significant benefit in favor of satorcib in progression-free survival. Hazard ratio of 0.66 are 95%. Confidence 0.51 to 0.86, relatively tight. Um, don't be misled by the 12-month PFS rate. So that there's a kind of an arbitrary 12-month progression-free survival rate that looks really promising. Is basically 25% of folks are alive without disease progression. So dorsib versus 10%. That's the really fat part of the curves where they separate. If you had looked at a, say, a six-month or 14-month PFS benefit, it doesn't look quite as impressive. That's a little bit of artifact there, but there certainly is a treatment effect for progression-free survival. Now. I gotta say this thing before I say the next thing, and that is, you can see on, on the slides presented at, uh, at uh, ESMO, that the protocol was amended based on advice from the regulatory bodies, whether that is uh, the folks at the European Union or the folks at the FDA, I don't know. But they changed their protocol from uh, a sample size of 600 to 330, and they also changed the protocol to allow crossover um, of the docetax alarm to satorosin, all right? So, um, assuming that satorosib is active, which we know from the progression-free survival, giving folks access in the third-line setting might uh, prevent seeing an overall survival benefit. And what we see here is the overall survival hazard ratio is 1.01. So the Katmai curves are almost superimposable. There's the little difference here and there. Looks like maybe the folks in the satorosib arm are doing better early on. Maybe that's before the protocol was changed. I don't know. 34% uh, of folks uh, crossed over from docetaxel to satorosib. Um, so, you know, certainly from the progression-free survival day, we see satorosib is active. 
maybe it doesn't matter if you give it before or after docetaxel. Uh, perhaps there are certain patients uh, in a future subgroup analysis that really benefit from up upfront satorcib. And then, of course, there can be other post-protocol therapy that we will have to wait to see in a publication. Um, so this is uh, good data, but it's not great data for satorcib. Uh, it's nice that we see um, progression-free survival benefits, uh, but again, this is, you know, metastatic lung cancer that's progressed on one therapy. If there really is a survival, you would expect to see that. We may never know, though, because of, of the crossover that was allowed. Um, uh, so um, we don't know what the you know, the, it's good that they had the right patients, right? Second line, after platinum, after ICI. Um, it's too bad overall survival wasn't the primary endpoint, uh, which is what we would, uh, we all hope to, to see is benefit and overall survival. That's the more meaningful outcome here. Um, a, a couple other, you know, one other study I'll mention just because it's kind of an interest area of mine is there was a, a negative uh, adjuvant immunotherapy trial in renal cell carcinoma. That was Checkmate 914. They did six months of adjuvant nivolumab and ipilimumab versus placebo. No benefit in DFS. This comes on the heels of um, Emotion or Empower. I think it's Emotion. It's an atizolizumab study where they got a year of atizolizumab versus placebo. No benefit in DFS and, and high risk for recurrence uh stage three renal cell carcinoma, but some of those were M1, no evidence of disease in both studies. Now, this is in contrast to, um, to Keynote 564, which is adjuvant pembrolizumab, which did show a benefit in progression-free survival and has a trend towards overall survival. Um, you could say a TISO didn't work because it's PDL one and maybe PD-1 inhibitors work better in RCC, but then again, uh, you know, that's nivolumab, and it didn't show a benefit. Even with ipilimumab, and usually nevo ipi together has kind of a, an additive effect over just nivolumab alone. Maybe it was because it was only six months versus a year of adjuvant therapy. Uh, don't know, but certainly I, I feel more comfortable, as I mentioned last week, uh, like in when you have studies of similar approaches that are consistent, right? So in metastatic melanoma, it looks like for our BRAF mutated folks giving immune checkpoint inhibitors earlier, uh, in sequence, followed by TKIs is better than the reverse sequence. That's consistent, even with you know different drugs, but within the same drug class. Here, we're not seeing that, and it makes you you know wonder maybe if if the Pember study was an outlier. We'll have to wait and see with more follow-up. Everyone's going to do every immune checkpoint inhibitor will do their study in renal cell carcinoma. Eventually, we'll get the answer to that in time. Um, anyway, lots of lots of other kind of lung cancer stuff with OC Mertinib, a lot of um, circulating free or cell-free DNA studies and stuff like that. That uh, I need to wait to see the publication before uh, they're ready for my uh, small-time podcast. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at PharmDeetNip. You can follow both the uh, uh, you can follow the podcast on both Twitter and Instagram at OncoFarmPod. And until I talk to you again, uh, remember doses matter. Thank you.